This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. We begin a new week here on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. This is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And greetings today from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. We have a great show for you today to start off the new week. And, of course, we're fresh off of the championship games in the NFL. We know the Super Bowl matchup now. Congratulations to the Patriots and the Eagles. It pains me to say that a little bit, but that's what it is. Um, we'll talk about that here, obviously, on our show and the start of a busy week for both the Saints and the Pelicans. Saints, yes, it is a busy week. Sean Payton and his staff and seven players are off to the Pro Bowl in Orlando. And congratulations to Larry Warford, named to the Pro Bowl yesterday as an alternate. He'll take the spot of one of the Eagles now that are you know, going to be kind of busy over the next two weeks. But Larry Warford makes seven now. That ties a franchise record for Pro Bowl participants for the New Orleans Saints, and no doubt you had to have a member of that Saints offensive line represented, right? Absolutely. So it's also Larry Warford's first time as a Pro Bowler. Uh, we'll be talking later in the week about the Pro Bowl extensively. John DeShazer will be heading that way, and uh, we'll be meeting up with the Saints coaching staff and those players as they are in the uh, basically the all-star game for the NFL this coming weekend. So good stuff there. And uh, we'll, we'll look at the championship games today. And the start of the Saints offseason with Scott Shanley. He'll be our first guest coming up here in just a few moments. The uh, Saints legend, of course, Super Bowl champion, former linebacker, has been an analyst now in his new career. And uh, he'll look back on yesterday's action in both the AFC and NFC and talk about um, the participation of he and his teammates with this year's Saints group through their postseason run. Very excited about that. And then, as we mentioned, busy week for the Pelicans. They begin... The week at home tonight against the Chicago Bulls, they're 18-28, and 28, the Bulls are. But after the disastrous start, they've been playing very well. I anticipate a, um, a tightly contested matchup tonight at the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans will then have a road game against Charlotte, back home again on Friday against the Houston Rockets, and then on Sunday, uh, the Clippers will be here. So big games all week long for the Pelicans, who've won now four of their last five including the Saturday night win over the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about the basketball game tonight and get a look at the Chicago Bulls with NBA champion Bill Winnington. He's an analyst with the Bulls Radio Network. So there you go. That's why I was very excited to get started on this Monday with you because we have two uh, champs, Winnington and Shanley, on our show today. So without further ado, we'll take a break. When we come back, We'll dig in on the NFL side with Scott Shanley, and then we'll move right to the NBA. Pelicans and Bulls with Bill Winnington. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. 
big as DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big as Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels in a Southwest Division matchup against Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets. Friday, January 26th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans. Do it big. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back. You know it's going to be a good week when we can start on Monday with Saints legend and former linebacker Scott Shanley on the Black and Blue Report. Scott, good to talk to you. I wish we were talking about, you know, the Saints heading north again in two weeks, but that's just not the case. But it's great having you. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. You know, especially after watching uh, what transpired yesterday in Philly, it would have been nice to see the Saints go up there, I think we would have had a little bit better of a fight yesterday than the Vikings put up. Why do you think that that would be the case? Well, I just think when you look at the matchups, and, and let's be realistic about the quarterback position, Drew Brees going up against Philadelphia, um, I'm not saying, I'm not, I can't guarantee a win by the Saints. That was a tough Philly team uh, in a tough environment. But I just think in the playoffs, you need that quarterback to play at an elite level. Case Kingdom's had a great year. Um, but I think when the rubber met the road and it was time to make the plays and the Vikings defense wasn't carrying him, he just couldn't do that anymore, and they kind of got exposed yesterday as that game went on. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Scott, of course, has been an analyst all season long for Cox Sports Television and their Saints coverage too. Scott, what else struck you about the two championship games yesterday? Your, your pick here. You can continue with the NFC outlook or the AFC side. Well, I think, first of all, Jacksonville being up 20 to 10 uh, on the road in Foxborough was very impressive. Uh, they, I, their downfall was playing not to lose instead of playing to win. I felt like they got way too conservative, and you can't do that with, with Brady on the other side. The key point in that game was the third and 18 conversion, and they, they led to points on that Patriots drive. That was the biggest play of the game, and the Patriots got back in the game. And you just kind of have a feeling it was just a matter of time the way Jacksonville got real conservative. Jacksonville had a heck of a year. Obviously, former Saints coach Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin down there now. They've done a great job turning that franchise around. Um, you go to the NFC, we really thought it was going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. Philadelphia's defense, maybe not as pretty ranking in, in the rankings as the Minnesota Vikings defense, but they are a darn good defense. Different styles, attacking. They come after you, create a lot of turnovers. But if anybody would have told me Nick Foles would have played the way he did yesterday, I would have been shocked. He was outstanding. He turned back to his 2013 form when he played under Chip Kelly and had an outstanding year. Um, but this Eagles team, I would not be surprised if, if they go up to Minnesota in two weeks and, and beat the Patriots. I think their offensive line and defensive line are as good as there is in the league, and I think they're going to give the Patriots fits at the line of scrimmage. Wow, that's kind of against what the sports books are saying, you know, making quote-unquote Philly the biggest underdog in however many years and everything else. You're not seeing it that way, are you? No, I just – and I think when I look at the offensive line for the Eagles and the defensive line especially, uh, what I saw Jacksonville do up front – is going to be different than what Philly does. Philly's going to be, bring a lot of pressure. They're going to try to hit Brady. A lot like we ran under Greg Williams, and even Dennis Allen does. They bring a lot of pressure, mix up the, the, the front and the coverages, and they're going to try to get hits on Brady, and I think they're going to be successful in that. Now, you're going to need, you're going to need Nick Foles to, to play good. He can't just get by, especially against the Patriots, but the Philadelphia Eagles are just the more physical team, and I think I would not be shocked if they, if they pull this one out. Do you care about experience at the Super Bowl, Scott? Is it overblown? Is it on the money? What do you think? 
No, I definitely think there, there's something to it. Just being in that environment, knowing what you're getting yourself into, the, the season being that long, how you take care of your body. So it definitely helps. For us, I can remember in the 09 season, uh, February 2010, it helped having guys on our roster, guys like Randall Gay, who were, were part of the New England Patriots championship teams, to let us know what we were getting ourselves into, what the weeks are going to be like, what the halftime performance is extra long. Just having guys experienced and letting you know what to expect was very beneficial to our team. So I think anytime you can have that experience, it helps. Yeah. Hey, go back to the Vikings just for a second. Do you think in any way, because I was, I was pretty stunned by the, what happened last night in Philadelphia, did, did the win over the Saints kind of, I don't know, give them a little bit of a hangover or some kind of an effect going into the next week's matchup? I definitely think there's something to that. The way that Vikings team – you know, look that entire game, they, they looked emotionally spent. And anytime you win a game the way they won it against the Saints, you kind of you, you walk away from the game thankful you won, but there's doubt in your mind. Did the better team win? And obviously, I don't think I'm biased in saying the Saints were, were the better team. They just dug themselves a hole on the road at Minnesota. But the Saints, to me, would have been would have been a, a greater challenge to the Eagles. I just think that, that Vikings team all week, every time they turn TV on, they're talking about that miracle finish. And you start to think that that's the biggest play or, or that defines your season. And you kind of forget that there's two more games that you have to play to make your season uh, what you want it to be. And emotionally, it's tough to come, after, come up with the same passion after those type of games. Mm, interesting. That kind of leads into my next question, Scott, and that's this. Um, do, we, do, do we have the two best teams left playing for the Super Bowl? I think so. I, I think, obviously, if Carson Wentz was, was with Philly – they would be even. They'd probably be favored over the Patriots, but to me, what Philly has done all year—they lose their quarterback, they've lost their uh, Pro Bowl left tackle, they've lost a lot of guys, and yet they still continue to perform the way they did. Uh, home field advantage is huge. I think that helped them get over some of these injuries. But to me, it was—it was always the three best teams this year were the Patriots, the Eagles, and I put the Saints right there. I think the Saints and Eagles game would have been an outstanding game, but this Eagles team is—they have depth. They're they're big and physical in the lines. People don't talk about that enough, but that's where they won a lot of football games is at the line of scrimmage. Scott Chandler with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Scott, can you help me um, understand or appreciate what it meant to have you and so many of your former teammates back together again to come and be a part of the postseason run for this group of Saints? Oh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was great. I mean, the one thing. We, uh, when they played the Panthers, we had a lot of guys come into town from all over the country. And I tell you what, after after many years, for a lot of guys not seeing each other, it was just like no time had passed. It was just like we were going to the hotel for team meetings, and you know we spent a lot of time together, had a lot of great years together, and those memories are something that that nobody can ever take from us. And you know, we the more we talked about it, we're we are fortunate to be part of a special organization that believes in and bringing guys back and keeping guys part of the program because that's rare in pro sports. A lot of times in pro sports, guys leave, they go do their own thing. But, you know, Coach Payton thought it was important for us to be back, to be around the guys. And, and our hope was that this group of guys could create their own memories and 10 years from now, you know, continue to get, get back around each other. And this team, this team is young enough. They're still writing that story, and I still think they're going to be in the, in the running for Super Bowls in the future. But it was just cool to get around the team, get to know the guys. And I tell you what, that Vikings game, that Vikings loss hurt 
I mean, I, I felt like I was depressed for about three days because I was emotionally invested in these guys. I got to know these guys the last few weeks of the season, and it hurt to see them lose a game like that. That's incredible. Scott, did it just happen you know, as far as hanging out with the guys, or was it structured in some way to where Sean Payton wanted you all to serve as mentors or speak formally to the team? What was the, you know, how did it all go down? Well, it all it started a few weeks ago with, with us talking about Reggie coming back for the game and, and then more guys jumped on board wanting to come back for the game and, and Coach Payton thought it was a great idea and, and we credit him. He brought us around the team, let us come to the team hotel. Scott Pajita spoke to the team the night before. And our thing is as being guys coming back, we didn't want to get in the way. We didn't want the guys who are now playing to feel like we were taking their moment because it was all about us. We just wanted to them them to know how special of a time it is in their lives and and the moment that they can create for themselves. So we didn't want to get in their way, but it was cool. The, the more we hung around the team, whether it was team meetings or, or after the Panthers game, we got, all got together at Zach Street's Brewery at Port Orleans and hung out. Just getting to know those guys and seeing, wow, there's a lot of the same characteristics and same personalities that we had during our run. A lot of great men, good character guys, and it was easy to root for them. That, that, that's interesting that you say that because I can't help but wonder, Scott, a little bit, about your group and when they got so close and then it didn't happen and then sure enough you're all are able to punch through can you see this group doing something similar yeah i can i think a lot of it is based on where i look at their key players and where they are in their career um, when you look at cam jordan and mark ingram great great pro bowl caliber players and then you have a lot of youth behind them guys coming up and i look at the same way the way our team was built um Myself and Scott Vegeta, we were in year seven, eight when we finally won a Super Bowl, but we had a lot of young players behind um, that we were trying to mentor. You had Tracy Porter, who was a young player, making plays. And those were the things, those were the characteristics. If you can have veteran players who all they care, who are at their point in their career where all they want to do is win, and they can show that to the younger guys, that's how you build a great foundation. And I think that team, this 2017 Saints team, started that foundation over a little bit. They kind of rebooted after the last few years. And that foundation is in place again. Indeed. Sean Payton and his staff are off to Orlando. They're going to work the Pro Bowl. Mickey Loomis and his staff are off to Mobile. They're going to work the Senior Bowl. So I guess the offseason is here, even though the Super Bowl hasn't been played yet. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you, you know, obviously just we're just a week into the quote-unquote offseason, but where does this offseason go? What do, you, what do you think our priorities here for the Saints moving forward? Well, the one thing about the NFL, and you see – you talk about this Eagles team with all the injuries they had. You need depth in the NFL, and I think this this Saints um, staff has done an outstanding job. The last two drafts, you look at all the major contributors, guys playing at, at all pro levels as rookies. I mean that's that's what the that's what pro sports is about. It's finding those those young guys because obviously when you get young guys uh, who are in their first rookie deals, it helps with the salary cap. It helps you go out in free agency and sign key pieces to complete your team. Um, you know, those are the th- those are the important things. So as of as the off season starts, you're always looking for for great young talent. Obviously, Drew Brees' contract, they're going to worry about that. I personally don't think Drew's going anywhere. He's got a lot of great football left in him. You look at Tom Brady, the way he's playing. You look at the way Drew played in the playoffs. I think those guys have a lot of great football left in them. So it's all about putting pieces around them because when injuries strike, and they're going to strike, you have to have guys to step in and replace them. And that's what you're trying to do every offseason is create depth on your team. Interesting, interesting. So there's no one position of great need in your eyes? It's more of now it's it's now building depth? Is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, I, when I look at any one position, it's not like the past few years where everyone's saying we got to get a cornerback, we got to get a defensive end. I, I think you always want maybe a defensive end. Alex Okafor was outstanding last year before he got hurt. Maybe get another guy like Cam Jordan opposite him so they can't chip and slide the protections towards Cam. But for me, you know, the last three years with, with 500 teams, I always felt like they had to address the secondary. It looks like they finally got the secondary addressed. Um, Lattimore is as good as there is in the league. And once you get that secondary addressed, now you can do so many more things on defense. You can blitz. You can play all sorts of different coverages. And I just look at our personal experience in 09 when we finally got that secondary um, up to snuff with, with what we could do defensively, play a lot of man, we could blitz a lot. It changes everything. And I think the secondary has allowed this team to focus on what whatever you want to focus on now, linebacker, rush end, opposite Cam Jordan. Um, obviously you want to build depth in the offensive line uh, as guys age. So there's always something you can, you can find a need for in the NFL. Scott Shanley with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Scott, I, I, you know, I caught some of your tweets last night. That's what made me reach out to see if you'd join us today. You've, you've really been delivering insightful stuff on that front. And then of course it's Cox Sports Television. We're, we're lucky to have you, and I'm glad you're still involved heavily with this organization. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I love following the Saints. Some of the best years of my life. I owe a lot to, to the city and the organization and, and Coach Payton. And I'll be black and gold forever. So uh, I'm always going to follow what's going on with the Saints. And hopefully 2018 can, can turn out to be that special season uh, for the Saints again. I'm hoping too. We'll see you back around here soon enough. Scott, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You bet. There he is, linebacker Scott Shanley. We've got a Super Bowl champ and an NBA champ on today's show. Bill Winnington, Chicago Bulls, next. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack, presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos Popcorn, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is January 28th against the Los Angeles Clippers. For more information and to plan your next big night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue getting ready for tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls, and we're very pleased to bring back to our podcast today a former NBA champ and analyst for the Chicago Bulls radio network, Bill Wennington, who's out and about in New Orleans today. Bill, first of all, thanks for joining us, and and B, uh, any good sights out there in our fair city today? Uh, Sean, it's uh, always a pleasure to be on, and uh, it's always fun to come and walk around the French Quarter and see what's going on early in the morning before it gets too crazy. This is <laughs> this is your thing. In most of the road cities, if, if the weather cooperates, you are out and about. You like to go feel the cities that you visit. Oh, exactly. And plus, it's a great way to get exercise and uh, move around a little bit. You know, the NBA life, you're traveling in planes, you're sitting down doing your homework, you're sitting down during the game. And uh, 
get to watch ambulances and fire trucks go by here. <laughs> but uh, it, it gives you an opportunity to go around and just kind of get a, a flavor of the cities that you're in, and it's, it's fun to do that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, David Wesley obviously works with us on the television side over here. And, and when he came to us as a broadcaster and we started traveling the circuit, as you know, he was very much like you and that he wanted to get out and explore a little bit because he said, hey, back when I was playing, I'd go to all these cities, but, you know, we never really went out and explored the city or learned anything about these places we were visiting. Is that is that the case with you? Uh, kind of. I didn't, when I was a player, I didn't, you know, you get up, you go, you got to go to shoot around and practice, and you come back, you kind of have a game day routine. So game days are, were really difficult to uh, do a whole lot, and then, uh, you don't really have a whole lot of days off in the NBA where you're not doing anything. You're either going to a treatment or a practice or a shoot-around. So you don't have a lot of time to go out and look. And usually when you do, you maybe get a restaurant or uh, if longer you've been playing, you, you meet friends and have people to maybe go out to dinner with, but you don't really get to go and see the sights of the city. No, no, okay. Well, that's fair. I mean, it kind of struck me at first, but it makes more sense after listening to David and you talk about the difference between being a player and not being a player. In visiting all these and cities. Besides that, it, it, the NBA nap becomes very important when you're playing. You always get to take an hour nap in the afternoon during the season. That's just what happens. Your body needs it. That way you're ready to go at 7. Yeah, no doubt. So that was going on even back in the 90s then, correct? NBA naps? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're still going on now. <laughs> of course. I know about them now. Up after the interview and take a nap. Perfect. Per- well, see, now there you go. Smart. Hey, hey, Bill, the Bulls are coming off of a win against Atlanta, and I know the record says 18-28, and 28, but it sure seems like Chicago's figured a lot of things out. I know one thing, and maybe you can help me fill in the rest. They play hard all the time. Yeah, they, they really do, and if you, you go back and look at the game uh, that the Bulls played against New Orleans back on November 4th, you know, it was, it was a close game, went to uh, overtime, if I remember correctly, and <clears throat> they weren't that good, and that was in the middle of a, a long losing streak, but uh, come December, they kind of figured things out a little bit. They started really buying into the system that Fred Hoiberg uh, has put in offensively, sharing the basketball, moving it, and, and playing well as a team. And defensively, uh, the energy's there. And, that, and you know what? You're absolutely right. It's because they do play hard. We don't have, um, the, so to speak, all-star superstar already. we got guys that are developing right now that, that will be. But everyone's really in the, mo- in the, the mode to push themselves and work together and uh, really, since since the three and twenty mark, they've really been playing well. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, you know you're right about New Orleans and Chicago playing that close game, and it was early November. I knew so little then about Laurie Markkinen, um, and I don't know a whole lot more other than I'm looking at his numbers here, and they're fantastic. And what he's doing shooting the long ball is also fun to watch. What is the Laurie Markkinen story, Bill? Well, you know he, he when he got drafted at seventh pick out of Arizona. We, we knew that he was going to be good, or they really thought he could be a good player, but they weren't expecting a whole lot this year. But with the injury to Nico and the suspension to Bobby Portis early, it kind of forced the Bulls' hands to put him out there. And he responded really well. And obviously, he, he shot the three ball very well. He was, he's the first player or the quickest player in NBA history to make 103-point shots. And, and he's showing that, but he's also showing that he has a great mental fortitude for the game. And he's not just a three-point shooter. He actually posts up very well. If he sees he has a mismatch, size mismatch, he's going to go down and post up. He rebounds well at both ends of the floor. 
defensively for a rookie, he's really holding his own, and that was one of the the knocks against him. Well, he's seven foot, but he's not big big enough, strong enough. He's got to gain some weight, but he really understands how to play and, and use his strengths uh, defensively. And I think he's really uh, a shining star right now for the Bulls because no one expected this. He's playing so much above where we thought he'd be at this point. Do teams underestimate the Chicago Bulls at this point, Bill? I think a lot of teams underestimate a lot of teams that aren't that good, that uh, especially going into the game. But uh, the fact that you already mentioned and brought point to is that they play hard. And if you come in and just take it easy on the Bulls, they're gonna they're just gonna play hard and out, outplay you. They'll beat you to the fifty fifty balls. Uh, they're not going to give up defensively. You, you may beat them defensively, but they're going to get back into the play and maybe get a tip or a block from behind. So those things hold a lot. Now, they don't always show up in the scorebook, but when you're playing out there as a team and you see the guys work next to you working that hard, it's contagious. As far as tonight's matchup goes, what are you looking for? What storylines intrigue you the most? Well, obviously your two bigs are, play really well together, and it's not, you know, they're, they're much like Laurie, but uh, – they have another di- dynamic to them with Cousins with the way he gets assists and passes the ball, and they and they can both shoot three-pointers. That's tough to play against. And You know, I, I've played against uh, teams uh, the old days. Uh, you look at the Houston Rockets where the Kim Olajuwon and uh, Ralph Sampson. These guys are very similar, but I think even more diverse because of the fact that they can go so far out and shoot three-pointers and their passing ability to look for each other. It really makes it tough. And then if, if Holiday's on and his game is going, uh, you guys are really, really a tough, tough team to beat. So you create a lot of matchup problems that you don't see every day in the NBA. And you know, when you play 82 games, a lot, a lot of games are repetitive because it's basketball. There's not a whole lot that changes. You got high screen rolls, low screen rolls. Try to get some isolations, pick and roll. But you guys have something different in two bigs, and you don't see it every day. So it takes a little while to learn that defensive schematics and make sure that you're in the right spot. Bill, you mentioned some of the guys you played against back in the 90s. If I could transform you back to your playing weight and your skill set and everything else, how would you how would you personally have played against guys like Cousins and Davis? Well, it, again, it's tough because I was a little bit mobile myself, but it's really hard to force a big guy to go out there at the three-point line because you just don't do it, and that's a hard habit to, to regain or to, to pick up. So, uh, again, you have to be aware of where they are and understand that three-point shots are something that they can do, so you have to be there. But, again, you can't let them post up down low. You have to bump. The rules have changed a little bit. I'm not allowed, you're not allowed to bump as much as we used to. But you just really have to be attentive to where they are, and you can't let them roam because they will burn you inside or out. The game is not as physical as it was when you played, Bill, but yet we see a lot of teams try and antagonize Cousins. How can, how can you do that now? when you're, like you said, you, you can't be as physical as you once were able to be in this game? Well, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it now comes into talking. So you try to get under guys' skin. Not that that wasn't going on before, but I think it's even more prevalent now. More guys are doing it and using it as a tool. Because all you, Once you find an edge, once I have an advantage over you, and you're not thinking about playing basketball, you're getting frustrated because I'm saying something or I'm poking you or pushing you. And again, it's, it's if you can't clear your mind quickly, and uh, unfortunately for DeMarcus, he has that problem, and he's gone off a few times, as you can see, he gets distracted, you're going to try and do that. Everyone's going to try and do it, and that makes it worse because it just everyone's looking for that advantage. And I'm going to be honest with you, he is so good and so big 
you need all the advantages you can get. So if you can just get him thinking about or get him upset where he's not thinking about basketball, that's an advantage for you. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Hey, Bill, what's one thing that players today should lighten up about, you think? Uh, players today should lighten up about? Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Every, everyone, it seems everyone's complaining to the referees, and, and whether they're good or bad, I th- it just goes on a lot. It used to be one or two guys on a team uh, could say something, but now everyone, every, it seems everybody's talking to the referees about every call, and it, it just, to me, it gets frustrating because, you know, it is what it is. Referees have been making bad calls and good calls for, you know, forever. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it gives me perspective, I guess, a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's not like it's new and all of a sudden overnight the referees were missing calls. It happens. Right. It's part so, of the game, though, right? Yes. That, that's what it is. And that's, again, that's what it is. It, 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 it's basketball, and it hasn't changed. As much as we like to think it's changed, we may have changed the rules and the way you can guard and, and the physicality of the game, but it's basically the same thing, and you're going to look for an advantage, and referees are doing their best and that's that's what it is hopefully they won't make a call that totally changes the game and, and blows the game but uh, at every end of the floor you, you watch all the games so there's you could call a foul on every single play if you want to oh no doubt and all, all you can ask for is consistency and every now and then that, that's going to change the referee's going to make a mistake but as you say it's part of the game yeah hey before i let you go let me widen out just a little bit you've seen more of the east than i have um a is the east better and and the other question along those lines is who is the best in the East at this point? Well, I, d- I definitely think the East is better than it was. I don't want to say it's better than the West right now, but it's close. If you look at the top teams, the top sixteen teams, the you know the Eastern Conference has uh, a fair share of them. So uh, Boston's really playing well. I like the way they're playing. I'm surprised uh, that they're playing as well with um, Hayward being out, but it just goes to show you how good uh, Kyrie Kyrie is and. Uh, Cleveland is struggling. I think it's a little more than it has been in the past, but you can never count LeBron James out. But right now, if, if I'm saying who's the best in the Eastern Conference, I'm going with Boston. Okay. Well, Toronto's not far behind because they're playing a lot a lot better now, but I still think Boston has the edge. Yeah, I, I think so too. Such a long way to go, though. My goodness. Um, Bill, get that uh, NBA nap in today since you'll have to carry that guy Chuck again later on tonight. And um, – and enjoy our city. We'll see you at the uh, Smoothie King Center. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks a lot, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Two conversations today that I thoroughly enjoyed. Again, thanks to Bill Winnington of the Chicago Bulls Radio Network and also a big thanks to the Scott Shanley joining us here on this Monday. We're back with you on Wednesday. David Wesley will be our guest. It's a Wesley Wednesday. We'll also be talking about the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama with a special football guest on Wednesday, too. All right, tonight's broadcast begins at 6.30 on both Fox Sports New Orleans and the Pelicans Radio Network. Tip-off just after 7 at the Smoothie King Center. Pelicans and Bulls. Pels will be looking for a season sweep of Chicago tonight. That has not happened in a long time. As a matter of fact, the win over Chicago earlier this season snapped, I think it was a six-game slide to Chicago uh, in this ongoing series between the two teams, one from the West and obviously the other from the east so with that being said have a great rest of your monday stay dry it's going to be awfully wet here in the gulf south otherwise hope that you have a great start to your new week talk to you next time right here on the podcast for saints and pelicans fans the black and blue report